everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alleycats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And welcome to this week's weekly recap, which is just the Catsketball games, one for the women, <laughs> and then two for the men's team. So let's just go ahead and dive straight into the women's team, because like we said last week, we feel that they've probably earned the top billing on the show. And it's a massive victory against, at the time, number 10? Yes. Number 10 in the country, Texas, in Bramlage Coliseum, with a really good crowd of 7,000 people, a really involved crowd who got loud when they needed to. Definitely a really, really good environment for a women's game. And K-State ends up, edging out Texas 61-58, to and I don't think I can really put into words how massive a victory this was for the Cats that, although they did have a marquee victory against, say, um, against North Carolina and against Iowa, this was the first marquee conference victory, and that is a massive thing to get. Yeah, this is a team that has mostly had K-State's number uh, the last few years, uh, so getting a win over Texas, that's huge. Uh, this is a, a Texas team that's really kind of been dominant in the Big 12, especially against K-State. They've particularly been a good matchup, uh, or I guess a bad matchup for K-State. They match up very well with K-State with their style of play. They're very, uh, very, very physical and very athletic. But K-State was really kind of going uh, punch for punch with them in that sense, as well as in the scoring. Uh, This game was back and forth the entire way. Uh, Neither team ever really got a huge handle on it. Uh, I think the biggest lead, I think, might have been seven both ways at various points. And K-State's came in, like, the first, like, two minutes. So it was a uh, pretty unbelievable game. Yeah, 11 ties and 12 lead changes in uh, this one, but K-State just came up with big plays when they needed them most, and they ultimately uh, they earned the win. Uh, they, they played really, really well. They made their free throws down the stretch, uh, and they didn't shoot great from three, but the threes that they did make were absolutely massive and timely, and that's uh, I think that's the, the biggest thing to to take into, yeah, account, to take into account but yeah you you want the starters you want me to take them um you can go ahead and have the starters all right so obviously it all starts with Ioka Lee who played 35 minutes 21 total points 8 of 12 from the field perfect from the free throw line 5 of 5 10 total rebounds 5 of them being offensive so a double double in points and rebounds Three fouls, one assist, no turnovers, four blocks, and a steal. So again, typical Yoki performance. Serena Sundell, 37 minutes, 12 total points, 4 of 9 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3. Also perfect from the free throw line, as was everyone, going 13 for 13. Six total rebounds, one offensive, two fouls, five assists, three turnovers, one block, one steal, 12 total points. Stuff the stat sheet. Jalen Glenn, 32 minutes, 4 of 10 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. Two of the most clutch shots of the game, I would say. Which, granted, she was completely wide open on both of them. But that doesn't make them any less clutch shots. (laughs) 
Uh, three rebounds, two fouls, no assists, two turnovers, two steals, 10 total points. Bradley Glenn, 13 minutes, one of three, 0 of one from three, two of two from the free throw line, one rebound, one steal, four total points. And then Gabby Gregory, who ended up getting hurt this game, rolling her ankle. 25 minutes, one of four from the field, one of three from three, one rebound, two fouls, one assist, five turnovers, and three total points. So not the best day for Gabby Gregory. Yeah, definitely not uh, her best day. Uh, but all things considered, she was playing through a lot of pain uh, She when she tried to come back in, and she just ended up getting hurt again. Uh, but uh, we saw some players play really well. Of course, Aoka Lee was great, uh, securing a double-double against a really good team. But stepping up in Gabby Gregory's place was Diana Walker, who was fantastic uh, in this game. She played 31 minutes, uh, which is way more than she's used to. And she went 4 of 8 from the field, 1 of 2 from three, so she finished with nine points. Uh, she had five rebounds as well, two fouls, three assists, three turnovers, and a steal. Uh, she did struggle dribbling the ball a few times, or a few times where she kind of over-dribbled and created a turnover, but she was a clutch bucket when we needed her. Uh, she was there to drive uh, and get a bucket when it seemed like the offense wasn't working. Uh, she, she was absolutely massive, and she plays great defense too. So Zayana Walker having the game that she did was a huge reason why we ended up winning this game. Plus the hilarious end of end of yeah. third quarter buzzer. Peter. Yeah, that's that's where her three point shot came from. Was the uh, uh, the huge three uh, that just barely beat the buzzer at the end of the third quarter on a, a really great pass from Serena Sundell, uh, about a three quarter court pass. But a great game for Zayana Walker. Amani Lester she played five minutes, had one rebound and. Had two points on two made free throws. Uh, she played in the first quarter some, and I th- maybe a little bit later, but we were in the first quarter rotating uh, a, f- a couple of bigs more than we usually do, I think maybe to get Aoka Lee some early rest. And that seemed to pay off in the long run. Uh, Gisela Sanchez, she played 10 minutes in this one, uh, did not score, had a rebound, an assist, a turnover, and a block. Uh, she had a really nice pass at one point that led to an easy layup. Uh, Terrence Sides, not her best game in KCA uniform. She played nine minutes with 0-2 from three. She had one rebound, two assists, and two turnovers. And then Eliza Moppin, she played three minutes in the first quarter and didn't really do a whole lot, but she was out there to spell Aoka Lee. What the maple doing? I don't know. <laughs> I Yeah, that's... Other than the uh, maple, doing maple activities, uh, this was a like we said, it's a really massive win. You know, going four fourteen from three, you want that to be a little bit better, but you also take thirteen of thirteen at the free throw line, <laughs> and you take a top ten victory. However, they decide to, you know, to come to you, mm-hmm. especially at home in what we thought was going to be one of the more important games. Um, we mentioned that the stretch against OU in Texas was going to be one of the bigger stretches of the year, and you know we ended up winning both games, and then we ended up winning via forfeit against TCU. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird situation uh, where TCU uh, is claiming that they don't have enough players to play a game. Uh, it's been speculated on how true that is but what is true is we definitely know they have at least three or four starters hurt including a couple that are out for the rest of the year 
but uh, they kind of abruptly canceled their next two games. They're having open tryouts uh, for walk-ons for the rest of the season, which is really strange for a D1 basketball program. They supposedly had four players get hurt at a practice on Monday or Tuesday of this week, um, which is nuts. I've never heard... It's pretty rare for one player to get hurt, I feel like, in a basketball practice. Uh, so to see uh, four players get hurt in a single practice, that is really, really unusual. Um, I'm not going to speculate on anything because it's just not worth it. But TCU forfeited. I don't know. I get that it's an NCAA rule uh, so that it doesn't count towards our overall record, but I feel like it should because they're they're the ones that are forfeiting. They're not playing when they probably could. Yeah, uh, It wouldn't be pretty, but they could play. We have seen uh, teams play with similar numbers of players to what TCU had, would have, which I think they would have had like six or seven. Yeah. Uh, K-State in the either COVID season or 2021 season. It was the COVID season against Texas. Yeah, they played a game with only uh, six or seven guys and Shane Southwell is the head coach. So it's... Uh, Maple is doing maple activities. We're yeah. not sure if you can hear him, but Maple is doing maple things. Yeah, so pretty unfortunate for both K-State and for the players on TCU's roster who may have gotten their first shot at big minutes uh, to uh, not get that chance. Uh, but it goes down in Big 12 books as a win, so K-State now 6-0 and in Big 12 play despite only actually playing five games. So kind of a very unusual situation that I think we got used to during COVID, seeing games get canceled or postponed, but not often for injury-related reasons for excessive injuries. So that, uh, very, very unusual to see. Um, not really sure what to make of it, but K-State escapes without a loss this week, even though they uh, had an unusual result in one of them, which I think it officially goes down as a 2-0 <laughs> when... Yeah, the, the ye olde 2-0 dub. Yeah. Yep. But before we move on to the men's team, here is a quick word from today's sponsor. And welcome back to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats. Now we're going to go over the men's catskitball games, starting with the yee game up against Texas Tech. Down in Lubbock, at first we just thought the game was funny because uh, there were several things that transpired in the first half that we were coming down off of the Texas lo- or Texas win for the women's team, so we were just kind of playing with emotional house money basically during the first half, and then we went on a 20-0 run in the first half, and that went alongside uh, Tyler Perry being described as wet, as well as you know, the hilarious nuclear bombs that went off every single time <laughs> the rim was so much just touched. So we we were playing with emotional house money and, you know, 33 to 22 first half. And then K-State chokes it away. And it was no longer emotional house money. It was sadness. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with what you said. Uh, this was house money to start with, but then K-State took a lead. And then I cared, and then they lost it, and then it hurt, and that 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 sucked. Uh, that was a very painful loss because 
Big 12 road wins are just so hard to come by and to just let one, just, just throw one away uh, like this, which that's that's what this was, was just throwing away a win, uh, completely blowing it at the end of the game, just not able to convert on offense at all. Uh, this was really, really frustrating. Uh, I, I don't really even know what else to say about it, honestly, just really disappointed in the result this one really hurt yeah this one really hurt and it's not even for the reason of you know they missed a travel on the bucket that ended up being the texas tech winning bucket i don't whatever i don't really care about that as much i do take exception with the fact that our entire plan was to get free throws to end the game and tang himself afterwards took problems with that so it, it, it's not like I'm alone in that regard. But you have the, the starters for this game. Yep, so Tyler Perry led the scoring in this one for K-State, although most of those points came in like a three- or four-minute stretch. I had 37 minutes, 16 points on 5 of 15 from the field, 4 of 11 from 3, and made his two free throws. Had two rebounds, three fouls, four assists, four turnovers, and a steal. Uh, so he had a... A brief stretch of game time where he looked genuinely unstoppable and otherwise had a okay game. Uh, not very efficient shooting the ball, uh, but that's nothing new really. Uh, he's not been super efficient this year. Uh, but then we go on to Cam Carter. He played 38 minutes, uh, had 15 points on 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. So he shot the ball pretty well, especially from distance. Four rebounds, four fouls, two assists, a turnover, a block and a steal, so he stuffed the stat sheet. Uh, Arthur Kaluma, he had 10 points in 36 minutes. 4 of 10 from the field is not great. 2 of 5 from 3, that's 40%. Not going to complain too much about that. And 6 rebounds, 3 fouls, 3 assists, 3 turnovers, and a steal. Will McNair was very close to a double-double in 33 minutes. He had 9 points on 3 of 6 from the field and 3 of 5 at the free-throw line. And added nine rebounds, so one point and one rebound off the double-double. I had three fouls, no assist of five turnovers. They did have five blocks. So, uh, like much of the K-State line, I've had a very wishy-washy game. Uh, then David Gasson, he had five points on two of three from the field, and he made a three on this one as well as his first make on the year, uh, which uh, uh, he's really gotten confident in the last couple of weeks with a shot after he started making free throws, I guess. Uh, and then four rebounds for him, two fouls, no assist, a turnover, and a block. So a lot of the, the, the key themes here really are just lots of turnovers. This was especially in the first half, just tons and tons of turnovers for K-State and not enough assists to counter that. Yeah, negative assist to turnover ratio is not what you want. And in terms of bench, it was really only one guy that came in and played meaningful minutes. Dorian Finister played 17 minutes, 2 of 4 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3. Got 3 rebounds, 3 fouls, 2 turnovers, 4 total points. Then R.J. Jones and Jarrell Colbert each got 4 and 2 minutes respectively. R.J. Jones got 1 rebound, Jarrell Colbert got 2, 1 foul, and an assist. So I... You know, the, the number one way to describe this game is massively disappointing, especially with an 11-point lead at half and ending the first half on a 20-to-none no, 20 run. You don't 
lose games that you do that very often. And when you do, it, you can't really call it anything else but a choke job. <laughs> and that that's really the best way to describe it is K-State choked this game away. A road Big 12 victory where they had it in hand and just let it slip away. Which, you know, road Big 12 wins are hard to come by, yes. But this was one that they had firmly in their grasp and then proceeded to just let go. So we weren't exactly high for the next game either, and then we proceed to beat number six or something in the country, Baylor, at home. This team is an enigma to me. 68-64, to overtime victory, overtang victory. A, I guess Jerome Tang just has Baylor's number, which I guess makes sense, given that he was an assistant on the staff. And B, for some reason, this team is able to find another gear in overtime that they just haven't been able to find anywhere else. Also, apparently, we weren't there, but we could tell on the broadcast, the crowd was nuts at certain points in this game. It made me really wish that we were there in Manhattan instead of in Topeka doing law school things and thinking about not doing our reading for the first week and then dreading the fact that we had to do our reading for the first week after the game. <laughs> but yeah, 68-64 to Wildcat victory in Bramlage Coliseum. I have the starters. Uh, Tyler Perry, 43 minutes, 3 of 14 from the field, 1 of 8 from 3, but 11 of 12 on his free throws. Seven rebounds, one foul, four assists, two turnovers, four steals, 18 total points. Yeah, let's call a spade a spade. That's terrible. <laughs> like His free throws are pretty much the... His free throws and rebounds are the two redeemable parts of this game. When we were promised an elite shooter. Now granted, the last time that we called him a little disappointing, he went off. <laughs> so maybe we should just continue doing that. However, this is just being honest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I want him to go off. I don't know if I want to waste that power on Oklahoma State, but <laughs> uh, I, I definitely wouldn't mind if he went off again still. But, but, yeah, he didn't have a great game, really, shooting the ball. Yeah. Cam Carter played 35 minutes, 7 of 14 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 2 of 3 on his free throws, 1 rebound, 5 fouls, so he didn't end up fouling out, 2 assists, 7 turnovers, 1 block, 1 steal, 18 points, so he stuffed the stat sheet. Arthur Kaluma ended up getting a double-double in 39 minutes, 4 of 9 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, including the biggest, arguably the biggest, maybe second biggest 3 of the game that ended up being a 4-point play in overtime, and he made and converted the 4-point play on his one free throw. 10 rebounds, 1 foul, 2 assists, 3 turnovers to 12 total points. Will McNair played 27 minutes, 2 of 4 from the field, 0 of 2 on his free throws, including an airballed free throw, which made Connor and I both make a, uh, a groaning noise that I'm not sure that we could replicate absent another airballed free throw. Uh, seven rebounds, two fouls, one assist, two turnovers, one block, one steal, four points, so he stuffed a stat sheet. David Gasson, 36 minutes, one of two from the field, six rebounds, three fouls, one assist, one turnover, one steal, two total points. So the big ones in terms of shooting were Arthur Kaluma and Cam Carter, and Tyler Perry's just going in at the free throw line, which granted, getting to the free throw line is a skill in and of itself. Give credit where it's due. 
But good lord, this game could have been won handily if he has an average, not even an average Tyler Perry North Texas game, if he has an average Big 12 guard shooting day. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that we find more creative ways to get him shots uh, in the uh, uh, in the future, although he did have a few pretty good looks this game that just weren't falling. Uh, so that was a, a little unfortunate, but Kaluma hits uh, one of the biggest threes uh, that's been made in Bramlage in quite some time. Uh, that was absolutely massive. Uh, and to do it while being fouled as well. Cam Carter was really good playing with five with four fouls for quite a while. Uh, it really wasn't Will McNair's day, though. Uh, had a um, couple of easy misses. Uh, airball the free throw. Uh, his defense wasn't great. He was kind of getting exposed on the defensive end as well. Uh, just wasn't really his day. Uh, but somebody who did play pretty well, though, was Jarrell Colbert. Uh, he played 17 minutes and was 2 of 2 from the field, made both of his free throws. So he finished with 6 points, had 1 rebound, 1 foul, 1 turnover, and then a block shot as well. And it was a pretty big block shot as well. It was in transition and would have been an otherwise pretty easy bucket, but he hustled down the floor and for a big man, made an incredibly athletic play. So good on Jarrell Colbert. He also had a really cool dunk at one point where he went under the basket and then back over and dunked on the opposite side. Um, so he was really good, I thought. I, I thought he was a really big asset on the offensive and defensive ends. He did have a defensive uh, lapse at one point that resulted in an and one, I think. Uh, but other than that, he was pretty solid defensively. Uh, so it's been nice to see him kind of turn a corner lately. Uh, then Dorian Finister, he played 20 minutes, was 2 of 7 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, and made one of his two free throws. Uh, so he finished with 5 points. He also had 5 rebounds, 2 fouls, 3 assists, and no turnovers. All in all, that's a pretty good day uh, for a Dorian Finister. One of the threes that he missed was uh, the one right before Arthur Kaluma's, uh, where David Gasson got the offensive rebound, kicked it out to RJ Jones, who swung it to Kaluma, who then made the huge three. Uh, so I don't really hold that against Dorian that much because he just had to take a three there. Like He's not the ideal shooter, but he was in the corner and he was open, so you, you got to do it there. Yeah. Um, RJ Jones, he um, had the second biggest three of the game. That uh, kind of pretty much was the reason that K-State uh, even had a shot at the end. He went one of two from the field, both attempts from three. Only played five minutes, but his impact was massive because he had that huge three-point basket at the very end. Uh, he had to rebound, a foul, and then he had the assist on the Arthur Kaluma three. So R.J. Jones was instrumental uh, in this win. And so he, he was a game-changing player in just five minutes. Uh, that was his first time scoring since December, uh, early December at that. So again, nice to see him get back involved. And then Michaela Bridge, he played three minutes, I think, in the first half. He had a rebound and a foul. Uh, didn't attempt any shots or anything. Uh, and then still no day-to-day aims. Uh, we haven't seen him the last couple of games. He's been dealing with some sort of ankle injury, I think. Uh, but he did warm up and was a game-time decision. They just didn't roll with him this game. Uh, so that tells me that we're very close to seeing Day-Day. I mean, he nearly played against Baylor. But it's been nice to see some other guys step up lately. I mean, Dorian we've already known about, but Jarrell had a really nice game. RJ was huge in just a couple of minutes. Uh, so at this point, we've seen pretty much everyone on the roster that's playing uh, have a game where they were 
one of the key reasons that uh, we ended up winning. Like even like Tosh Manning's had his moments. Michaela Rich has had his moments. Uh, they've everybody's had a big game. It feels like at this point. Yeah, and when not everyone is clicking at the same time, sometimes it takes one person that you don't expect to click. And you know Dorian Finister deciding to be good is. <laughs> has been massive for the team getting a bunch of bench minutes in the absence of Quez Glover and Data Ames now. But yeah, this was a massive dub for the men's basketball team. And then the next game up for K-State is Oklahoma State, a bad Oklahoma State squad. So hopefully, you know, we we end up pulling out a victory there, knock on wood, uh, on Lavender, Legends Day. And then next week, we go to Hilton Coliseum in Iowa State, or in Ames at Iowa State. And so that's always going to be a tough place to play. <laughs> so, got to be Oklahoma State, and you have to take, I'd say, probably one of two of Iowa State or Houston. Both are massive asks, but if we manage to get one of those two games, you're feeling pretty solid about the Cat. You're feeling pretty good about the Cats making the tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's early right now, but I think after that win against Baylor, we went from wrong side of the bubble to right side. So I think right now we're probably in, in like a play-in spot or maybe just barely uh, in the full field. But right now we're we're going to have to get a few more big wins because uh, Baylor's our first quad one win all year, which is kind of crazy to say given that we have beaten some not unnotable teams uh, but we've just been barely missing out on those quad one wins, which are so big. But Oklahoma State, yeah, they've been on a, uh, a bit of a run of poor form as of late. Their last three games have all been losses by uh, double digits. Uh, their closest game in the last three games, they lost by uh, 17 uh, to Texas Tech. Uh, they just got blown out by KU at home by 24. They lost by 24 to Iowa State. It's been pretty rough for Oklahoma State. They just had a player transfer out as well. Uh, Mike Boynton's days are looking numbered right now uh, in Stillwater, uh, which is, is tough because he's been a really good recruiter and at times has had some pretty good teams, but that's just life in the Big 12. If you're not an elite coach you're not a good good enough coach really uh which kind of stinks but this is a must win game if you're k-state if this is a game that k-state drops that's disastrous i think like it's not just to lose oklahoma state but at home i don't want to put too much pressure on this game but i am going to put some pressure on this game because this is not an excusable loss if we lose this one no not remotely so do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? Um, no, I, I don't think that I do. Just uh, happy that we um, were able to rectify our mistakes from the Texas Tech game and pull out a really difficult win and get Drum Tang to 10-0 in overtime games. Yeah, I agree. And the environment was also very, very encouraging. But, yeah, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. 
If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us just about anywhere at Aggieville ACATS. And if you want to email us, we're AggievilleAllyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Baltazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store and our supporters link through Spotify for Podcasters. Both are in our Twitter and podcast bios. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're coming rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>